On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome back to the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I am your host. Today, we conclude our discussion, the intersection of faith and health in the individual, between CEO of Hospice of the Piedmont, Trent Cockrum, and Brooks Johnson, chaplain at High Point Medical Center. When we last left them, Brooks was describing what it looks like to pursue spiritual well-being in times of health crisis within the hospital setting, sharing that when we slow down, acknowledge our circumstances, and allow others to care for us, we are better able to care for ourselves, appreciate others, and experience wholeness. Let's rejoin the conversation. You've worked with many patients in your career. Um, you've you know, been a part of, I suspect, many difficult conversations, right? And so when, what's your experience? You know, what, what can you describe that patients experience when they feel, when they're, when they're listening to the doctor explain the medical considerations of their care? Mm-hmm. And then they begin to try and balance that with these spiritual dimensions of their well-being. And I suspect many times they feel broken or failed, right? Mm-hmm. In some yes. way. Yes. How do you help them reconcile that? I mean, what, what are the things that you talk about? Yeah. Well, it's hard, but I, I really try as best I can to really focus on the listening and in that sense, act as a mirror to reflect back to patients oftentimes mm-hmm. the things that I heard that are the nuggets of hope that they are like missing, that they're glancing over. Um, you know, so for example, off the cuff, those who I, I was with a patient the other day who was in his early 70s and, um, you know, diagnosed with a pretty aggressive cancer and really just went on and on to talk about, um, you know, his over 40 plus year career in a particular, um, you know, area of work and how he had so many regrets because of the actual work that he did, which was, you know, really good work actually. And yet early in the conversation before he got to work, he talked about, you know, having children and the beauty of his children. And it was kind of like he had, it was almost like he separated and kind of forgot about those children. And so, you know, brought it back to very simply, you know, okay, so now tell me about not only your children, but I imagine you have grandchildren and uh, maybe even a great grand, I don't know, but how are they a reflection of this love that you put out to, you know, nurture these children and oh, by the way, have a 40 plus year career to put bread on the table for those children. You were responsible in that way. Sure. It's like sometimes they, people, when you hear their story, they're, they themselves need that mirror or, or the outside agent to kind of connect the dots and recognize what, what really was valuable that they contributed to their life, to the lives around them. Almost like a restorative reframing of sort of their whole person. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they're, and I think that really illustrates it really nicely. Um the, the, the fellow that you're talking about, his whole life, his whole person, his wholeness had really affected the lives of many other people. Right. 
both probably within his family and outside of his family. Cause it, you know, we're, we, we don't, I think you said it earlier, we don't live in a vacuum, right? We don't do anything in a vacuum. In right. fact, yeah. <laughs> um, our, our world is not, is not a vacuum. Um, so, you know, and I think much to your point, what I hear you talking about is how we have a responsibility. And this is a common consideration that I've heard with so many people I've had the privilege of talking with um, during both the course of, of my healthcare career, but also in the course of this E-series is about how we have a responsibility to value others mm-hmm. and the wholeness of others, right? Um, and that's really what I think we're, we're talking about and how that creates a meaningful intersection between who we are as an individual and and then the way we both receive healthcare services and how we interact with um, the care teams that are providing services to us, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my wholeness supports yours and yours mine, right? Um, so, you know, that leads me to this notion that I, I think we've arrived at that, that we're far more alike than we are different, regardless to use you know, these two terms that we, that we hear so synonymously with each other, religion and spirituality, regardless of, e- of what our practicing religion is, we are all the same sort of spiritually. We, right. we have yeah, that's what we said at the very beginning, right? Yeah. You asked that question about the differences between spirituality and religion. I take very seriously and really truly believe that just as much as our eyes are blue, our hair is blonde, those of us who have hair, uh, or whatever, you know, the, the fabric of who we are, it is woven into us that we are spiritual beings. And so I think you are, again, spot on. We, because of our, I guess, human nature coupled with our society, how we live, we're always striving to achieve, um, you know, all those things. Actually, quite candidly, just like religion, the things that we have set up around us, they are structures to help foster success, but they're always like pitfalls or, you know, traps along the way. And sometimes they rear themselves in the achievement, not of education, but of status, for example. Um, So oftentimes because of those things that sort of drive us, we lose sight of what we do have in common and we end up focusing on those things. We point out those things that are different about us. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Um, you know, there is uh, this wonderful, in my study of theology, I really love the concept of this African word. It's called Ubuntu. And uh, a book that I really cherish is uh, a book called the Rainbow People of God by Desmond Tutu, for which he says this, we Africans speak about a concept difficult to render in English. We speak of Ubuntu or Botho. You know it when it's there because it is obvious and it's obvious when it is absent. It has to do with what it means to be truly human. It refers to gentleness, to compassion, to hospitality, to openness to others, to vulnerability, to be able to be available for others and to know that you are bound up with them in the bundle of life. For a person is only a person.
through other persons. Wow. I love that. A person is only a person through other persons. How you and I, Trent, talk about and see our commonalities, it restores us, it encourages us, it lifts us up. And we can only do that from a place of vulnerability. But we have to, you know, peel away. We talked about the veil earlier of all those things that have clouded our vision. We have to help each other pull that away to see the beauty in who we are as human beings. And that that's a miracle. That's a beautiful sentiment. I mean, it really is an incredibly beautiful and it captures, I think, the essence of what we've talked about very nicely. You know, Brooks, once upon a time, you you shared this really interesting parallel um, that I think fits really nicely with this too. Um, this was not during this conversation, but one we've had previously, this notion of the coexistence of kindness and suffering, because you don't, you, I, I'm, I'm really struck by that. If, if you could maybe talk just a 30 seconds or so about, about how those two exist in parallel with each other, because we don't think about those in the same way. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't really relate them, do we? But I think actually what we did, what I did say with you, what I, what I shared is I, I kind of believe that kindness and suffering, they really hold hands. Mm -hmm. And I like, I'm a person of imagery as part of who I am, you know, as an ordained Christian minister who's very liturgical. So I, I love images and how they remind me of simple things. So this idea that kindness and suffering can actually hold hands because oftentimes we, um, we're really not kind to ourselves. And oftentimes that's what fosters a magnitude of suffering that we don't necessarily need or deserve. And so it's through this acknowledgement that we are all broken individuals. And so that brokenness, we deal with suffering. We all have suffering. Um, but again, we're not, we're not really comfortable with it. It doesn't feel good. It's, you know, we want to move beyond it. Uh, oftentimes that suffering we feel is connected to what we didn't do properly or our shortcomings. Mm -hmm. And so when we can acknowledge our suffering or perhaps really speak to or acknowledge the suffering that's around us, we can then really truly embrace the, the beauty within kindness mm -hmm. and how it is that simply being kind to ourselves is a place to start. And in doing so, we can then really reach out to our brothers and sisters in kindness, which is related to, you know, what you were saying that, that recognizing those things that we have in common. Right. And they're all interrelated to this notion that we append to hope. I mean, they really are. Yes. Um, we, we can't have hope if we can't recognize kindness. We can't have that unless we can be vulnerable, perhaps. We can't find our way. We can't, we can't make our way, to use a, uh, a euphemism, I think, that you've brought into our discussion today. We can't, we can't make our way without allowing ourselves to understand who we are meant to be. Yeah. Um, because that so much 
informs all of the decisions that we make in life, not just the decisions we make in healthcare, but for our healthcare, but all of the decisions uh, that we that we make. And and I think your Ubuntu uh, concept, which you so beautifully said, really, it, it truly is a, a one word that sort of embodies that entire sentiment. Yeah, it really, really is. That is really the, the beauty of it is that it is embodied within it. And it's, you know, it's as simple, you know, going back to the kindness, it's as simple as recognizing that out of our human humanness, we make mistakes and we are flawed, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be kind to ourselves. Sure. And, and when we can do that, boy, the world can open up that that's, that's nurturing that nugget capacity for hope that we talked about quite a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it starts with that kindness. Yeah. And when we can do that with ourselves, then we can, we're more able to be vulnerable with those around us and share that kindness, which, yeah. you know, frankly, sometimes can startle people, but mm -hmm. then that speaks to that hospitality within what Tutu is saying with that concept of Ubuntu that hospitality is that sense of, okay, from my place of kindness, I can reach out to my brother Trent in kindness and together we can see each other's humanness and make a difference. Not, not wipe away or vanish the suffering, but simply sit with it, acknowledge it, recognize that it is a, it is a part of us too. You know, and you, Sitting with it is an important consideration too, because that that really, um, you know, infers or implies that sometimes holding space and having presence is perhaps one of the most powerful things that any of us can do as we express our kindness to others mm -hmm. who may be suffering. I mean, to right. sort of link all these considerations together. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think oftentimes our go-to place is let us fill this room with words. Right. Um, but we oftentimes don't need to do that at all. Correct. Right. You know, I think about um, sort of shifting gears a little bit from the individual to, to the, the people who are caring for this patient that, that you know, we seem to you know, always find our way back to, um, you know, the, the care team, the, the nurses and the doctors are sort of providing this care from without, right? It's, it's the treatment modalities and the medications that, that, that as clinicians, they're able to administer. But you're really talking about a care from within um, that begins with maybe some contemplative reflection by the individual by making themselves vulnerable, by allowing themselves susceptible to kindness and equal and equally suffering too. Right. Uh, but understanding that they're not broken, right? right? Is that is that a fair sort of description of how this unique juxtaposition um, exists between um, uh, spirituality and health and well-being? Yeah, I think um, you are onto something. I think that, you know, oftentimes part of why I'm compelled so much in working with staff is because, you know, 
uh, in my study of psychology and my being present here in a medical center, those who are caregivers oftentimes are helpers. They are people mm -hmm. who, you know, they really do have a lot of compassion. They really want to make a difference in other people's lives. But oftentimes they're the ones who don't necessarily do the best job at caring for themselves. And so that's why we're talking about, I love when you use that phrase within, because we do things without all the time where we treat this person, we go to this meeting in the care of that person. Um, but that has to start really with us checking in with ourselves. Um, you know, just because it's really on my heart in today's conversation, you know, our pharmacy team, uh, they, their leaders invited me to come and speak to them recently because they have um, had a tough go within the staff. One of the longtime staff members was recently diagnosed with a pretty aggressive cancer. Mm -hmm. Another staff member lost their spouse of many years. Two staff members are out with um, broken bones. Oh and, and so I went down there and, and it was on my heart to really talk about resilience, which is, you know, not simply when things are piled on, you know, you flex your muscles and you become stronger. It's really understanding who you really are in the midst of the chaos that's going around you, pausing to recognize that somewhere within you do have what it takes to be the best pharmacist, to be the best pharmacy tech, um, to be the best whatever it is that you do. But we, we must take the time to acknowledge those difficulties, those tragedies, those curveballs that are thrown our way. Um, because if we don't, that's when, you know, we break. And, sure. and uh, again, as I believe Trent, you and I agree, we are all going to navigate suffering within our lives. It is a part mm -hmm. of us just as much as death is going to be a part of us. Right. So let's not be, let's not pull the wool over our eyes and think we can avoid that. Let's understand who we really are so that when we meet that suffering, we can navigate it with dignity. We can really recognize that we can still be a whole person, that we still have done wonderful, powerful things to help others, and that people have done wonderful and powerful things to help us. Sure. And that's a beautiful thing when we can do that. It, it's almost, I think the way I would, the way I would think about that is let us not, let us understand it for what it is, but let us not be fearful of it. Right. For it is part of who we are as an individual. Right. Um, that I think that's a really beautiful sentiment because if we, you know, if we can acknowledge the things that we know to be true about all phases of life, then we tend to be less afraid of the things that we, that are more unknown to us. Right. Um, and I think that's, you know, what a lot of people I suspect struggle with as it relates to their own spirituality, as it relates to their health. Most um, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, Brooks, we've talked about a lot of things today. We've talked about wholeness. We've talked about restoration of hope and reframing of hope. The, universal, the universality of spirituality, this 
construct of Desmond Tutu's of uh, Ubuntu, um, which really sort of encompasses it all. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably if we just had a whole conversation about that one, um, uh, that one word, we would have covered all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I suspect you've experienced a lot of sacred moments, right? In, in, in your career um, and help people navigate these um, challenges really thoughtfully, I would suspect. Um, is there anything, yeah, I, I have confidence that you have, um, you know, is there anything that you think about, um, that really stands out in your mind or something that you just really want to be able to share with folks who are going to be listening to this or watching this, um, at a later time? Sure. What comes to mind immediately, especially because I know you guys at hospice do such a great job with this and it's such a part of what you guys do. We haven't named it interestingly, explicitly, but really in the end, it's all about how do we recognize quality of life, mm. not quantity of life. And we do that when we acknowledge who each of us are as individuals with all of these things that we've talked about, the shortcomings, the sufferings, the pains, the loss of limbs, the loss of loved ones, the loss of a job, the loss of various identities. We, we ought to all strive to be the best of who we were created to be because that's when we really recognize that I believe what we're here for is to live a full quality of life. And so, especially during this crazy pandemic, COVID-19, it's been really interesting to have discussions with people, frank discussions about quality of life. And what does it mean not to simply succumb to this unknown disease that arguably the smartest people in the world haven't been able to just fix right away, right. but to recognize that part of healthcare and part of life is really achieving that quality of life, which we kind of get to determine. And so the hope with even the sickest patients is, if you will, for them to come to a place where they recognize their own quality of life and from those terms, they get to decide how things are going to continue to unfold. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those conversations are very hard, but part of, I think, why they're hard is because of their capacity to lead to enlightenment, to really mm -hmm. lead to a transformation, to not see the diagnosis or, frankly, the end of life as the ultimate stopping point, but to see that how we are here and live, even with what we're facing, we can still be the greatest version of ourselves that we were created to be. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it is, it is an accumulation, right? So we are not only in, a, in the sense of a patient, we are not only the treatments that are given to us. Um, we are, however, an accumulation of years of, of living. Mm -hmm. That's who we are. Right. Um, we aren't who, who, who we are doesn't change because of 
an incident. Fundamentally, right. we are still right. the same person. We still have the same sense of spirituality. Perhaps right. we have found a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not to say that the way we had before was broken. Right. Um, we're just still finding our way because life is it is a it is a it is a series of events that happen to us in life, not just a single event. You know, I mean, I, I think we're in, we're an accumulation of of experiences, I think, is really what I'm trying to talk. Definitely. About. Yeah. Um, Brooks, is is there anything that you'd like to leave um, our listeners with today? Um, I, I would I would almost ask if you wouldn't mind sharing again the the entire definition of ubuntu uh, sure, uh, and i just think it's really beautiful um if you wouldn't mind um Not you see you seem to, to to know it really really well and i think i think it's worth uh saying at least one more time sure sure well again this comes from uh desmond tutu's great work called the rainbow people of god um from the early 90s and here he says this We Africans speak about a concept difficult to render in English. We speak of Ubuntu or Botho. You know it when it is there, and it is obvious when it is absent. It has to do with what it means to be truly human. It refers to gentleness, to compassion, to hospitality, to openness to others, vulnerability, to be available for others and to know that you are bound up with them in the bundle of life. For a person is only a person through other persons. I'm I'm not sure I have any closing remarks here, really. You know, Brooks, it has been just a real pleasure um, to uh, be with you today and have this sort of meandering uh, conversation, which has been incredibly insightful and enlightening to me. Um, and I, I'm sure that it has been uh, to others as well. I thank you for that. Well, thank you, Trent. Again, I, I thank you for all the work that I have witnessed you do here within the community, not just at Hospice of the Piedmont, but how you try to embody that hospice of the Piedmont is a part of a bigger community and that you exist to serve others. And, um, you know, I, I want to give you credit. You brought up, I believe, first that the, the phrase within. And it's funny because when you asked me about, you know, what would I want to leave any listeners, uh, you know, or those watching with, and it made me think, I use this all the time with staff in the hospital because the pace is so fast, but, you know, I want everybody to be able to pause, be present, and from that place, recognize beauty that is all around them, and therefore, within that, recognize what is right within themselves. Beautiful, thank you. Uh, Brooks, I think, I think the words that you have shared today will come as, in, will be incredibly inspiring to many. Uh, they certainly have been for me. Um, uh, they really have been. And so I appreciate the work that you do. And we are truly privileged at Hospice of the Piedmont to work in a, uh, a very dynamic community and serve an incredibly dynamic community 
um, and to receive um, incredible support from folks like you and others um, who do really important work across, uh, across our entire community. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for part two of our discussion, the intersection of faith and health in the individual. Join us next time as we welcome special guest, Reverend Linda Ferguson of First United Methodist Church and St. Luke's United Methodist Church of Asheboro for the intersection of faith and health in the church. Together, Trent and Linda will discuss how creating community can foster openness, trust, and a support system for those facing challenges. This conversation will also offer insights into how conversations influenced by faith can address fears and lead to a better understanding of the role of boldness in our health journey. Until then, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.